20 years old, I found out I was pregnant. Those two pink lines devastated me. I knew I could survive the adventure of parenthood, but I didn't have a roadmap to help me thrive. Welcome to the Two Pink Lines podcast, a podcast addressing the questions of unplanned pregnancy. I want to share stories of women and men who've embraced the unplanned and found out that they can still hope, dream, and become a parent. Hi, I'm your host, Cheyenne Erickson. Join me as we embrace the unplanned. So guys, today we have a very special show. It's special for many reasons. One is because this is our first couple interview. And as you either know or need to be reminded of, this Sunday will be Father's Day. And this is our first time hearing from a dad. Zach opens up about what it is like to walk through unplanned pregnancy as a partner and the challenges he faced. The second reason why this episode is so special is because Sarah and Zach are close friends from high school. When I was in high school, I lived with Zach's mom and dad for a few years, and he was out of the house by then, but would drop by for food or to hang out or whatever. And Sarah was one of my closest friends. And you know, after high school, you kind of lose touch with some people. So this interview was a great chance for us to catch up. We laughed a lot. So I hope you all enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Well, hey, how are you guys? We're good. We're doing all right. <laughs> um, so I'm on the phone with um, Zach and Sarah. They are really awesome friends from high school. Um, how about you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves and your history? Oh, boy. All right. Our history. Where do we begin? It's kind of long. <laughs> it's a long history. Well, so I'm Zach, obviously, not Sarah. Um my wife, Sarah, is sitting with me here. Um, our history is is honestly really long. I mean, we've known each other since good, I mean. I think since I was 11. Yeah, because you came to school after I was there for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to be 26 this year, so that's 15 years. That's wow. a lot. It's a lot of years. Yeah. But we weren't close friends that whole time. Not at all. Not not even remotely. Not even towards the end. <laughs> You weren't even friends towards the end. No, no, no. That's the, <laughs> not even then. It's still rough. No, it, it wasn't tw- till towards the end. Well, there's uh, so Zach and I are um, a bit far apart in age. Well, far apart ish when you're 11. That is when I'm 11. Whoa, whoa. Okay, well, this did not start when you were 11. <laughs> no. Yeah, we've got about, what, four years? Yeah, we're about four years apart. Yeah. A little less than. My parents are like 10 years apart, so. Right, which, of course, yeah, now is no big deal. Um, But, you know, when I'm 11 and he's 15, that makes a big difference. And Again, so. not when we started dating. I want to make this abundantly clear. <laughs> that when is not when we started dating. Okay, no. so when did you start dating? Uh, after I graduated high school. So we were both homeschooled. Um, And we both did speech and debate. We both did plays and just being involved in the same group of people on a regular basis. Well, all of junior high and high school, we saw each other a lot and we're just like around each other, but not more acquaintances, not friends. Um, I picked on her a lot. 
It's true. Yeah, he was mean to me a little bit. Well, at least he spoke to you. The rest of us, he was like, children, <laughs> and just would stick his nose up and walk by. Well, he was just, uh, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she was close to my mother, too. So it was That's different. True. It was That's different. True. Yeah. Yep. So it was different, Cheyenne. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I mean, I didn't live at your house for like three years. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, after um, after high school, uh, there was just lots going on in my personal life. Lots of things were changing, and I ended up actually living at his parents' house for a little while because I was really close with both his mom and dad. Um, I had known them for such a long time and we had done a lot together and I ended up living there while I was kind of getting my feet on the ground as a young adult. And then he started coming over. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I thought he was coming over to visit his mom and get a free dinner. What an innocent way you put that. And then he just started (laughs) showing up inconspicuously. Well, yeah, I I legitimately just thought you were broken, needed a free meal. I was broken, needed a free meal. (laughs) It just tasted better when you were there. <laughs> but then we'd end up like washing dishes together and talking and turned into like watching movies and TV shows and just having long conversations. And yeah, our friendship kind of turned into a relationship, which then kind of turned into a marriage and a family. So so this is obviously a story of an unplanned pregnancy. How about we jump to when kind of all that started? Um, you guys had been dating for a little bit. Um what happened to find out that you were pregnant and like, how did that change your guys's relationship? And tell me a little bit about that. So we had been dating, um, about a year. Um, and although we had, we weren't engaged, we had definitely like talked about marriage or wanting kids just kind of in the background. And so even though we weren't engaged or taking concrete steps to get married, I kind of felt we were very open about what we yeah, wanted. Yeah, we, we knew that we wanted the same things, and they were down the road. We weren't necessarily in a rush to get there right away. Uh, but then we found out we were pregnant. Um, suddenly we were rushed. Suddenly, no. <laughs> 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 Everyone won't understand your sarcasm, babe. <laughs> they'll get it. They'll get it. All the men, they'll get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we were open about uh, getting married. We knew we wanted to have kids. We talked about having kids together, like just basic things. Like, um, what else? Traveling, like buying a house, just like all those things. We didn't, like I said, we didn't have concrete plans or timelines per se as to when we were hoping that would take place. Um, I think we both just knew that it was in our future. Children. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah getting married. Yep. Having kids. Mm-hmm. We knew it was in our future. We just didn't have necessarily any timeline and plan. I think mentally, I thought that was probably three years ahead of me. Um, I was just starting college. Um, kind yeah. of have like this abstract idea of like, okay, we definitely want to get together. But how, like, how did your pregnancy interrupt all that? Right. So we've been dating about a year, like I said, starting to have those serious conversations without any pressure of timelines or whatnot. Um, I was on birth control because I didn't want to get pregnant. That wasn't quite in my uh, immediate timeline for how I wanted those years to go. Um, Because I knew I did want to have kids. I knew I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to have a family, just not yet. And so I was on birth control. Um, But in the fall, I had gotten strep throat. And when I went to the doctor, you know, strep test. Yes, you have it. Take these antibiotics. Um, 
I did not know that when you take antibiotics, it causes your birth control to stop working, oral oral birth control, like the pill. Um, and so anyways, I have strep. I take my antibiotics, although I didn't take all of them, which was not good. Um, so then I got it a second time. And so now I've had, and I think when you get your strep medications, it's like 10 days or two weeks worth of meds. Because strep is awful. Yeah, no, it's awful. Um, but you got to take it all. So anyways, I got it. I got a second time pretty quickly because I didn't take all those antibiotics. And so here we are with me having strep for like a month um, and taking those antibiotics for about a month, which causes your birth control not to work. And you're supposed to be on birth control for 30 days in order for it to really start doing its job. Um, so anyways, that kind of that caused my birth control to stop working. Um, but I did not know that because no one had told me that. The doctor hadn't told me that. Um, pharmacist never said anything. Um, and so I started getting really, really sick. I should sue. Listen, it was a great mistake, but uh, <sighs> but I also was unaware of this, and I feel like that's not my job. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that either? I had no idea. How oh, would I know? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You would have yeah. said something if you knew. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, so I started getting really, really sick, and then I just started thinking, oh my gosh, now I've graduated from having strep twice to having some other illness. Uh, I was sick for a long time, eventually went to go see uh, just a family doctor. We kind of thought she was dying. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, I mean, there, there, was a, there was a point there where it's just like she got strep and then went from strep to being just kind of violently ill for a while. Yeah, and just, a we really time. had no idea. And if I remember you had gone to see multiple doctors and they mm-hmm. had, they all had kind of said, well, it's like the strep is coming back with a vengeance. Yeah. They, one of the doctors I had seen had said that it's possible for that. My strep might be attacking like my intestines or just crazy stuff. Yeah. Which is it, a lot to get it, into. Yeah, but. it went crazy. Uh, so anyways, there, it was not on my radar at all that I might be pregnant. I think I was distracted by being sick so much, so up and down. Uh, which affected my work, affected a lot of my plans and whatnot. Uh, I went to go see a family doctor, and the lady was like, is it possible uh, that you're pregnant? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm very on top of my birth control every single day, even when I'm sick, same time. Um, And she asked me my last cycle was, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. It's been a while. So sure enough, she took a test and came back and told me that I was pregnant. And that's why I'd been so sick. (laughs) <laughs> and so to, so to answer so to answer the question about how that kind of interfered with plans, I, I guess, again, the, the, the plans were in sort of an abstract sense, but suddenly, suddenly it's not so abstract anymore. Mm-hmm. And every, everything kind of hits you with, a, with a, a sense of realism that you weren't expecting, which obviously isn't, isn't a bad thing. So I don't want to paint that in a horrible way, but uh, there is a there is a sudden sense sudden feeling of um, of an over, overwhelming nature when that happens, where you just kind of feel overwhelmed and you're wondering, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess I guess that did, uh, that changed the game plan for us as far as a three-year plan. Right. Um, for um, a lot of things. And, and actually, there were a lot of other things that played into that, too. It wasn't just the pregnancy that sped things up. My mm. grandfather was oh, yeah. not doing was so really well, sick, yeah. and we wanted to you know, we wanted to be see if he could be at the wedding and That's that kind right. of thing. So there were there were a lot of things that actually impacted those things. I would say that it impacted you more mm-hmm. when it came to um, you know what you were pursuing school wise or 
Um, anything else? Right. Cause I had waited, I had waited a long time to go to college. Um, my parents did not support the idea that women should go to college. It was very difficult for me to get into college. I had to take very roundabout ways to get my, um, what's it called? Your, uh, your, um, uh, what'd you graduate with your, yeah, your diploma. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about? My transcript. That's what it was. Oh. My high school transcript. Anyways, it just, it, it took, I had to wait, I had to wait to go to college till I was 20 to f- apply for financial aid. And this is um, not based on her intelligence people. She is like one of the smartest <laughs> people I know. Oh, thanks. <laughs> second, um, second smartest. Oh my gosh. You're very smart. <laughs> oh, you mean after Jeff, your brother? Just- oh, 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 that was good. Cheyenne. good. That was good. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, so I mean, I wanted to go to college when I was 18, but my parents made it really difficult. Uh, long story short, I had to wait till I was 20 to apply for the financial aid to prove I could live on my own. Um, and so by the time, you know, waiting for two years to go to college, it's a long time. You see other people graduate. You see other people get whole degrees in the time that you're just waiting to even have the opportunity to start. Um, and so I was very excited to start school and I was planning to get through it rel- relatively quickly to sort of make up for lost time. But then finding out that I was pregnant definitely took my fast track plans um, off the table because I wouldn't be able to do all of that while being pregnant. So, so it didn't... did you guys kind of like react together and like, OK, we're just going to make a plan or was it something where there was resentment created between you two or um, how did you guys react differently? Well, I think I mean. All Zach can speak for himself. I know for me, with the whole pregnancy thing, um, I just felt like it was all happening so fast. Like, cause like I said, I knew it was in my future, but it was in my mind, it was like years away. And so for a long time, I actually, on top of just being sick all the time, um, I just felt like it wasn't real. Like I maybe like I was watching a movie. I mean, cause in, in the beginning of pregnancy, you don't you don't feel like there's a person inside of you. You just feel unwell. And even if somebody tells you that you're pregnant, you take a bunch of pregnancy tests, you don't feel, at least I did not feel pregnant. So I just felt like I was in kind of like a state of shock or confusion. I wasn't excited. I wasn't angry. I just felt really caught off guard. And like I had been making a plan for my life to go to school and now that I finally could fall through with my plan, now it has to stop. So I don't know. I think I just was in a place of uncertainty, not really knowing what to do. Is this real? How is this going to change um, my life and whatnot? I don't know. Yeah, what about, what about you, Zach? Oh, I felt pregnant. Yeah, did. All the symptoms I had, everything. It was bad. <laughs> real, real bad. <clears throat> Um, it, in all seriousness, from from the from the the, uh, the male perspective, um, I did kind of feel pregnant almost immediately. That faded, however, um, almost immediately. I felt the weight of everything kind of sinking in, where I'm asking myself a million questions, but only one at the same time, and that is how and how ne- what next? Um, you know, there's. Obviously, there's lots of loads of responsibility that comes on um, for both mother and a father when this takes place. Um, it's a little bit different when you don't feel well, not necessarily that you don't feel like you have a support system, but when it seems as though it's unsus- unexpected, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Um, 
so yeah, almost immediately my first my reactionary response is, okay, what do we need to get done? How do we do this? But again, the the reality of it for me dissipated rather quickly. Whereas I feel I, I feel like we had an almost reverse response. Where for me, the longer time went by, the less it felt real. Mm. And for you, the longer time went by, the more it feels real. Right. Um, and I, you know, I don't want to speak for other guys, but I, I get the feeling that that's a pretty normal thing where it just, maybe you, know, you just get used to the news, right? You get used to it. You get complacent with it. It's just like having a job. I mean, after, after the first six months, generally speaking, you're, you're kind of ready to either nestle in or move on. And, um, uh, you know, with this, it, it felt very similar. It just, it just felt like we were going to be sort of in this loop forever and that it was never actually going to take place. And I, I mean, I remember feeling that I remember feeling the change the, the second that I actually held my son for the first time. It was it was overwhelming. It was huge. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of set the stage that we were all brought up in like a conservative Christian background. Um, and I've talked about that a little bit in my story. We had the benefit of right after we found out we were pregnant, we like, um, Matt graduated, we did a quickie marriage and we moved to Chicago. So we left the community and went and did our own thing, which, um, separated us, I guess, from anything that any judgment or even any support, both the good and the bad, we just left it behind. Um, for you guys, it was slightly different though. And what did your support system look like? How was the reception? Um, what did all of that it mean? Like you two were kind of grappling with this, but what was the broader, um, I guess, social response to your unplanned pregnancy? I, I think that as much as, as, as much as I don't even want to admit this, I feel like there was, there's more pain, more not pain, I'm sorry, more fear to be open about this mm-hmm. with the people that we knew we could count on. Um, and that that does come come down to the belief structures that we all have had. Um, you know, in, in the end, I'm I'm very grateful for those beliefs and that that structure because it's it's uh, I would I would argue one of the one of the better parts of, of the relationships that we have and and the better parts of our our kids' lives as well. But um, it, you know, I'd be lying if, it, if I didn't say there wasn't some fear. And so that I remember we didn't tell my folks for a few weeks we didn't really yeah and in the right when we found out we kind of just kept it to ourselves we knew people would have a lot of questions and that we didn't have answers um also i would say within the first couple of days after it started to soak in i would get a little bit excited because i would like look up pictures on pinterest and instagram and it was far enough in the future to where i could look at a couple of pictures on my phone and get kind of excited that that was going to be my life at some point even if it didn't look like that um but in the beginning, when just the two of us knew and we hadn't told anyone, I mean, I would agree there was a subtle. Um, Very unspoken. Just, uh, yeah, because we've never talked about this. Time. No, no, yeah. It's the first <laughs> um, we, I was not looking forward to telling people because ultimately, like, I knew, I knew that there would be a solid group of people who would support me. But I just was not looking forward to dealing with the negativity um, or the gossip or judgment that was going to be happening at some point, because regardless of, I mean, where we stand with what we believe, you know, like children are wonderful and they're a blessing. And I feel like life should be always supported. That should always be something that is 
good news, really. Um, and it's not to say that you know, the, the, the support system themselves, the, those that were there to support us, they also, mm-hmm. many of them also, you, you know, didn't have the best response in the beginning either. Yeah, and that's and true. again, to be fair, I mean, I, I hate to just kind of be, I mean, ultimately you have to be open about these things. The, well, you the unexpected <laughs> nature of unexpected nature of the unplanned pregnancy causes people to respond in some sort of unexpected ways. And I feel like that's part of the fuel to the fear, but it also, it also causes people with good intentions to respond in ways that may not be favorable to the situation. Well, and I think, I mean, it makes sense that people would have questions for us, people who care about us, people in our family. I think maybe what people forget, um, in their, you know, asking us questions, I think they might forget that we are still asking ourselves these questions. Like as a couple, we still have a lot to figure out as an individual. I still have a lot to figure out. And so if someone is frustrated that I don't have answers for them, I think they forget that's because I don't have a lot of answers for myself yet, if that makes sense. Right. And there was totally makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, that makes sense from my experience. Like now, years later, I can use the term mourning, I think, to describe what I was going through. But at the time, Mm -hmm. I had no language around that. And it was so confusing. Um, But yeah, from that, did you guys end up finding like one individual or maybe a church to kind of boost you or that you felt safe with? Well, I, I mean, originally, I... Oh, wow. I'm going to back up. <clears throat> so <laughs> I was really good friends um, with the church that we used to go to. I was really good friends with the pastor's daughter. She was my age-ish, a little bit older. And I had told her. And when I told her, again, before we had told everyone, um, she was privately like very excited for me and congratulated me. I knew that she wanted to get married. She wanted to be a mom. She had a huge heart for kids. And so she was one of those people that I was like, okay, This is somebody I can sort of test waters um, telling people, and that went well. Um, But the response from our church overall was very not negative um, as much as it was. Very specifically from the pastor. There were others. It was very impersonable. Um, There was a lot of ultimatums that were made very quickly about us and us being friends with family, being a part of the church. None of it was done in person. It was all done over email. There was no attempt to be like, hey, let's get coffee. Let's talk about this. There was definitely no concern for me or you or how we were doing. Um, It was very just focused on you need to fix this and you need to do it now. Email me back when you're done. (laughs) Yes, it's very it was very repent, get married or you you're not welcome back. Right. Yeah. And Um, I think just the. The lack of empathy or concern at all for our well-being to not even check in and see how we were doing, but to just sort of demand that the situation sort of be fixed um, was very frustrating because I had always thought that if I was in a difficult situation, that this was a group of people I could lean on to, to – I, I, um, I process by talking and by having conversation. That's how I connect with people. That's how I become a better person. It's how I learn is through conversation. And so I just had expected that if something came up in my life, we'd be able to sit and talk and somebody would come over to my apartment or we'd go out for lunch and we'd just talk it through because that's what people do. We care for one another. We talk with one another. And that just was completely missing 
um, which that was that was really that was really hard. Yeah, it was it, it's interesting because it was a, it was even a sort of different for me because that was actually one of the first churches that I sort of fell in love with. Mm. Um, because, you know, we've, we'd been to several different churches when I was younger and, and, um, you know, we had great relationships with the people at the churches, but I never really grabbed onto, um, the style of preaching or the message that was ultimately coming through. And this was the first church that I just kind of fell in love with and we were very eager to continue to go. And, and so there was, it's interesting cause we'd only been going for what, I mean, it was maybe half a year, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it it hit me pretty hard too, just because it was, you know, I, I had because um, it seemed more like tied up in this the relationship just seemed severed. Right. It didn't it, like it wasn't like we met with people in the church and had conversations and agreed to disagree. Like it it was almost the moment that the word got out, like the relationship was cut off. And mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's what was so hard. Yeah, um, is having something that should be that should be turned into such a wonderful, beautiful situation, just be treated as, I don't know, like leprosy or something like get out. I don't know. So that so, was, that was really hard. Uh, so anyways, things at the church were cut off very quickly and that was very frustrating to me. And I tried to reach out and ask if we meet in person. The answer was essentially, no, don't talk, don't come back. Don't talk to anyone until you repent. And that was just very crushing. I think that just made me feel really isolated and alone and sort of reinforced any fears that I had about telling people. Um, I am very, very thankful, though, um, that there was a friend of my mom's who, as you know, I get older, whatnot, I feel more comfortable calling her my friend. She was just my teacher once, so it's kind of weird. Um, anyways, she was a nurse. Um, her and her, wow, I'm going like way too long. You're totally fine. (laughs) Now I got in my zone. I'm just talking. Um, Anyways, my mom's friend was somebody that I had always really respected. She was very intelligent. She had, she was a great wife. She had lots of kids. She was really patient with her kids, all of them, which is always a good. Lots of them. Lots of them. Um, So she was just always somebody I look up to looked up to and respected. And she had told me for a long time that, you know, if I ever needed help or advice or a mentor, really, that she was available. And so when this situation came up, found out I was pregnant, I was like, I think I'm going to take her up on that offer. Um, so I asked her to come over to my apartment and just to talk about a couple things. And first we talked about life. And eventually I did end up telling her that we just found out that we're pregnant, haven't really told anyone. I was personally at a loss of what to do. I don't have health insurance. I don't have a doctor that I go to on a regular basis. I don't know how much this costs. You know, just all of those really practical questions um, that I hadn't even had time to think about. And she was just so great at just listening to me and letting me talk and then really giving me concrete answers. Here's where you can go get some health insurance. Here's a great doctor I can refer you to. Um, which at the time, because my pregnancy didn't feel real, putting those things into place, getting health insurance, finding a doctor, those were the things that I think helped my pregnancy feel real and helped me to really like accept what was going on mentally and emotionally. And so she was really the first person to help me, I, I think, like move forward with accepting that I was about to become a mom. That's great that you had someone to 
reach out to and put all those practical pieces into place. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach, did you have anyone like that? Or did you even need anyone like that? I know Matt never had really any mentors, whereas I had several women that I would go to. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have a mentor. Um, we, so we had, um, her, the, the person that she had mentored with was actually her husband actually married us. And so we had a relationship with them mm-hmm. and I got some, some advice from him, but that was actually after, uh, right. after the birth and right. prior to our marriage. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that you know, you, you get you get tips and things along the way. But I would say, I mean, I was I was working a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she tended to be around more people more often and say so they tend to interject their opinions and things like that. And um, I I would say I didn't really have a mentor. Um, I would say that um, honestly, I think it would be it would have been a great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't I don't know who or where that would have come from. And that's the hard part mm-hmm. is that I can't really think of, um, you know, somebody who I think would have been, and it's not, it, it, you know, just to be clear, this doesn't mean that there aren't good men in my life or in our lives, period. It just means that I'm not sure that there's one that I might look up to in that way, or that could, um, you know, put me on the on the right path in this sort of circumstance, if that makes any sense. Um, well, yeah. And knowing you guys, like Sarah said, she's really an external processor. And I'm guessing you're not as much. Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of depends. Yeah, it kind of okay. depends. Yeah, it, it depends on the situation and what kind of what we're talking about. I mean, I'm a much more. I don't I don't want to say I'm a more technical processor. I get way more technical probably than I need to. Well, I also think I also had um a lot more in my life was changing immediately. Yeah. You didn't need health insurance immediately. I needed no. it that day. I didn't even, I didn't have health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, and so I think maybe part of the reason why men in general don't tend to have those things is because you're, I mean, while their life is changing, it's not changing in as many immediate ways as it is like for, you know, the pregnant woman. Yeah, but yeah. that, uh, yeah, again, but I, it would be great. It, I think it's actually I, think, be I, I do think important. most men should, yeah. you know, try to read. And even, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything too extraneous. I mean, I think something like a phone call a week would be Or just plenty. grabbing beers and talking about yeah, being a dad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, especially if you know someone. I mean, honestly, if you know someone that's close in age that's that you can just go out to grab a few drinks with who probably needs a break from everything and, and can lay something on you. Um, and even just to let them talk would probably, I mean, that might be enough, you know, just, mm-hmm. just having that, that know it all, um, about it being okay afterwards and about it being, um, something that, um, I'm not everything comes naturally, but a lot of it will. And, um, that sort of thing I think would be pretty much helpful really to anybody. It's, that's not even just a male thing. It's really, yeah. really anybody. Just parents. Not even just an unplanned pregnancy thing. People oh, no, no. Mentors are great. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, here, I want to kind of zero in on a part of your guys' story that I think is fascinating because it's something that I guess I would have never chosen to do. Um, you guys chose to have marriage counseling and wait to get married until after your baby was born. And like I already said on this, that like we did a hide it marriage. We were like, we will do this as soon as possible type. Um, and that was just what I guess maybe it was a 
decision driven by fear. There were a lot of factors in it for us. But what did that conversation look like to you guys? And why did you choose going that path? Well, we did have a lot of pressure to get married immediately. There was definitely, I mean, just kind of an overarching theme was, you know, when are you going to get married? And people, I think, asked that with the expectation that we had a certain number of, like, weeks that that was going to happen. Right, like there's an expiration date or something? We even got told, because we were pregnant in the fall, we even got told that we should like one of the we should just get married so we can also put it on our tax returns when we start tax returns in January was which was like, the best advice I, we had gotten <laughs> <laughs> um so there was yeah there was a lot of pressure to just get married and to do it quickly go down to the courthouse just make it a little thing or make it a big thing really fast um and at least for me I think it actually I think this was good I think this is one of the good things that came out of the unplanned pregnancy I've wanted to get married ever since I was really really young um I think that's most little girls' dreams, but I don't know. I think I always had like a subtle fear that somebody would get married to me. Like I would get married for the wrong reasons um, or that I would just get excited and get married and want to last. I don't know. I, I just had like a lot of fears around marriage. And so for me, when we found out we were pregnant, my first reaction was not, oh, we need to get married. My first reaction was, I do not want to get married simply because I'm pregnant and then years down the road feel like my marriage was just a parenting plan. Um, because while marriage and parenting go very well together, they're not the same thing. Um, I think, so I'm going to jump in. The other thing for me, (laughs) the other thing for me is that I, I, um, I I had, I'm I'm a bit of a romantic. I had already, I had actually two, two, no, I'm sorry. About a month before had gone to pick out her engagement ring. Oh yeah, that's right. And, and so I, I had this, I had kind of a a rough plan on, on how this was going to work out. And I didn't, I didn't really, I, I don't personally believe that, um, that we were in some sort of a sinful place by what, what had happened. I think that we had all both had good intentions. We knew what our intentions were. We knew our intention, intentions were to marry. I intended to marry you. And I had already made that make, to, uh, I already took steps to make that happen. I think one of the things for me is that, um, and obviously, um, Shane, I don't mean this directed towards you, but when, when I hear about a lot of people that will run out and go and get married, right before or before the baby is born to sort of hide things it makes me question well why, you know why not after the first time that you were in bed together why not then and the question is is that if 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 that was an issue then then why not handle it when it was meant to be handled if that's the real problem but for for me i i thought that you know we had a plan and we were ready mm-hmm. and we we knew what we needed to do and i think god had motions in our lives it was already leading us to that point mm-hmm. um to take that action so I also I also knew that when I got married, like on my wedding day, I wanted to feel excited and I wanted to feel happy. And I did not at all want to feel like shame. I didn't want to feel embarrassment because marriage is a wonderful thing. Marriage is a beautiful thing and it should be celebrated. And I didn't want. So are children. Yes. So, yeah, 100 percent. So are children. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be walking down the wedding aisle um, with fear. I wanted to walk down the wedding aisle like hopeful and excited. And because this is what I believe was the plan for my life, not because I need to fix something. Um, And so, yeah, so even though there was a lot of pressure for us to get married right away, um, when I told Zach, you know, like I came back from the doctors, I'm pregnant. Neither one of us were sitting there like, well, are we going to get married right away? Um, 
I think we said it jokingly. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I don't think that either of us really intended that, but I do think that we tossed around the idea in a very light yeah. way. Yeah, but I think I, I mean, like I said, I wanted to enjoy my wedding, but I also wanted to make sure that I wasn't getting married because I was afraid. Um, because in my mind, if I wasn't meant to be married with this person, then, well, never mind. I kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> Well, no, I think that's awesome. And it's some a part of your guys' story, like I said, that I really admire because, I mean, I absolutely loved our wedding and I'm really, really happy with my marriage. But um, a lot of what was driving our decision to get married eight weeks after we found out we were pregnant was, you know, like a cover up story. And right. it worked really well because everyone was like, oh, Matt's going off to law school and Cheyenne's decided that she can't live without him and she'll go too. Which <laughs> is like, <It's> true. <laughs> I mean, I was totally ready to do my senior year long distance from him. But, what a you know, story. we, yeah. <laughs> it's a rom com in the making. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> stop um... that. <laughs> <laughs> So after you guys had your baby, how did life change? Like, were you just automatically like in the jive of parenthood that you were really excited about it and you guys have kind of found your way from there? Or um, were there more difficult things that happened after your son was born? Well, I was tired. You were done. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty much how I felt for about yeah, the first Non-unique. <laughs> for six months, that's it? Six months, that's it. Well, so a couple things. So first of all, like when our, when, you know, we had our son, um, I am happy to say that I, any of that shame or judgment that maybe I felt like I was getting from different people, whether it was to my face directly or behind closed doors, I feel like that was gone. Yep. Um, I feel like once he was born, he was in our arms and we could dress him up in his cute little outfits and little baby socks. <laughs> like I just, I felt, I, I felt like all of that shame and all of that embarrassment was just completely off the table. Um, which was so great. I didn't know that that was going to happen, but it totally did. Um, I also think maybe it's hard to be judgmental to a new parent who's just holding their precious little baby. It just puts things in the right perspective and you realize that you just got to celebrate the good things and, if you have something negative to say, maybe keep it to yourself. But anyway, so I'm glad that that kind of dissipated. Um, during my pregnancy, I felt like I was very much like knocking things off the to-do list. Like I, I just have so much to do. I need to get them done. So I didn't quite, I don't feel like I was prepared for how much my life was going to change um, emotionally as a mom. So when our son was born, I felt like a lot of things did come naturally when it just comes to standard taking care of your baby, holding your baby, kissing them all of the time. I think what caught me the most off guard is not realizing how much of my day to day had completely done a 180. Um, just little things like taking a shower was now I can't just get out of bed and just jump in the shower. I had to time it all around all the different nursing schedules and diaper changes and um, what else? There was a couple other there was a couple other little things that just really stumped me and I really felt for a while that my sense of independence was gone because even though I wasn't pregnant now I had this person that I was holding that I have to take care of and every time they cry I, I drop everything and sometimes I realize it'd be all day before I even ate 
Yeah, it gives you this real stark realization, and I'm speaking for myself, that uh, you realize that you're really not good at taking care of yourself because any amount of pressure and you fall apart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It just doesn't stand on its own. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, it was completely opposite for me. I mean, I I had a week off. That's all I could get um, with the job that I had. No, it was a a week. It was was a week for that. Yes, that's right. One of one of those days you were in labor. Um, so yeah, it was it was six and a half or six days roughly, um, and so that's all I could take off. And that was the PTO that I had earned for the year, which means I wasn't going to take any more time off for a while. And I worked weekends at the time, and, um, and my schedule was kind of all over the place. So you know, it was it was a fairly quick turnaround for me, where I'm sort of back into the thick of my regular schedule. Right, back to your job. Um, and that's of course, that, crazy hard for both of you. Like, yeah, yeah, I would say it was probably harder for her, but, um, but, but yeah, I, yeah, it, it's difficult because I'm not there. To, obviously we're not, I'm not there to, to lend the supporting hand uh, and the days when I, I was, it's obviously much easier, but, um, I don't need you on the days where you're home. <laughs> right. And those are the good days. Right? That's when everything's calm. And, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, it definitely was, stress that we weren't anticipating and i think you're, you are to some point but you also take it with that grain of salt that everyone says you're not going to know what it is until you get there kind of thing and well and at least for me i feel like the parent like i th- i think acting caring for my child came very naturally what i think did not come naturally is the huge identity shift for myself and how now my life was very different and so taking care of our son, doing all of those things, um, that came naturally. But what really threw me for a loop was just how my life was different and who I am and what my day-to-day looks like. That was what was, like, really hard because I realized it's not just nine months of pregnancy. This is 18 years. (laughs) Yeah. And have you been a stay-at-home parent the entire time, Sarah, or what does that look like for you? Uh, that's a that's a hard one for me to answer because I'm home during the day. Uh, child care is expensive, and so I'm home with the kids. Also, I mean, I want to be home with the kids, so that works out. Uh, but pretty much ever since Avery was like six weeks old, I've worked on and off. I do some high school math and science tutoring, a little college tutoring, and I usually do that on the weekends or during the weekday when Zach gets home from work. Um, so I've pretty much been doing that ever since he was born. And he's almost five now. Um, And then I also, when the kids are sleeping and when I'm not tutoring, I also run a small shop with some baby goods. So so I'm not sure how to answer that question. We have to stop here and talk about this a little bit. Tell us about your shop, Sarah, because it's the joy of my Instagram. Everything is always (laughs) so cute. Well, oh, I nice. came up with all of it. So thank you so much. <laughs> he did come up with the name. So he likes to say that every time it comes up. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah. So I have a little small shop um, for that has baby and toddler goods. At the, it fluctuates with what's on there. But essentially what happened is, you know, when you have a newborn and you're home a lot and you're by yourself and you're sitting on the couch all the time because you're nursing or feeding the baby, you just have a lot of time to think. Um, And one thing I'm really thankful for is all the time that I had to really like reflect, to read, to cry, um, and to just kind of put my life in perspective and remember what things are important and when things don't matter very much. Um, 
And so during when Avery was still very young, our first one was still under one years old, I really just came to this realization that I understand that I'm a very conversational person. I'm a very visual person. So the conversations that I have in my daily life impact me a lot. The things that I read impact me a lot. An encouraging note from a friend or a text from my husband can really just lift up my spirits. And as I became more aware of the fact that those types of things encourage me and push me on, I just want to fill my life with more of that, with more joy and simplicity and just trying to take advantage of all the little moments. Um, and so my shop, Thimble Joy, um, makes toddler or toddler shirts and infant onesies just with simple little phrases and reminders like that children are cherished and that life is joyful and that as a mom I'm grateful um, to just sort of keep that positive, those positive reminders in front of me because it's really hard to fold laundry with an infant onesie that says joyful and a toddler tea that says grateful with me being angry. I can't do that. It doesn't work. <laughs> That's mm. so sweet. And I love, I have, I think too cherished and I've been meaning to order a grateful mama shirt for like, mm-hmm. you know, forever. So now that I've said it on a podcast, I obviously now you have, to, have do to do it. it. Well, and um, then I, I also just... just stopped breastfeeding and can wear t-shirts again. Oh, so yay, that's a big moment. It, oh, thank God. Love nursing, support nursing. <laughs> Three years later, I'm done. <laughs> right. It's true. But anyways, I also have, um, I also have really, a really big passion for, um, like crisis pregnancy centers. Um, I never used a crisis pregnancy center myself, but as being a mom, you know, and facing those hard questions, where's my health insurance? How am I going to buy baby clothes? How am I to afford this and that? With my shop, we also donate a percentage of all of our sales to crisis pregnancy centers to just buy diapers and wipes and clothes um, for other moms who find themselves with unplanned pregnancies or just in some need of extra help. So that's the other thing that my shop does. We make clothes. Pretty incredible because it's just a run from like you just run the shop. So that's a cut from your profits. Like, yep. Yep. And it's something, I mean, Zach and I, we, I mean, we really think we believe it's important to give back in that when God blesses us with enough, then it's actually more than enough. And so the way that I look at it is, you know, just in our day to day, we have very limited resources. And so if my sales are going up, then I can absolutely turn that around. And as somebody who's, you know, been in a situation of being, you know, and having an unplanned pregnancy, I know how huge it is for somebody to give you a box of diapers, like, oh my gosh, now I can buy gas, you know, Um, (laughs) put gas in my car and get groceries. And so that's just part of it too, is like, I just want... I don't, I don't just want to talk the talk. I also want to walk the walk. And so I don't just want to say, you know, all children are a blessing. I don't just want to tell moms that even though it's hard, it's going to, you know, turn out okay. And it's going to turn into something wonderful and beautiful. Great. I also want to put something in their hands. That's like, I know this is hard. I know how much this can help. And this is just one little way that I can help. So there's also that. I love that. And so guys, whether, um, you're in an unplanned pregnancy situation or not, go check out her shop, Thimble Joy, and we'll link it in the show notes. Um, You guys need to follow her on Instagram because, like I said, she has gorgeous pictures that she puts up all the time and those encouraging little notes and stuff. And so I've definitely had days where I'm looking on there. And I think the most memorable for me is one day you did a 
a story on peace. And I had just finished like yelling at Kirsten and I was like, oh my goodness, that is something I need to focus on. So definitely Mm -hmm. it is really, really encouraging. Well, Sarah and Zach, thank you so much for um, being vulnerable, for sharing your story, for laughing with me. Um, it's been <laughs> really great. This <laughs> uh, has been fun. Thanks for having us, Cheyenne, and putting up with all my laughing because, you know, I laugh a lot. But you knew that before you asked me to do I, this. I knew it. <laughs> so I don't take any responsibility. We knew we'd get Zach's ass, Sarah laughing, long stories. <laughs> Well, it's been fun. Guys, this was so much fun. I loved laughing with them. And I know that they truly are in their home, just like they were on the podcast. They're very real, they speak the truth, but they also just have a ton of fun. And it's because of the resilience that Zach and Sarah have and have carried with them. And I just am encouraged and appreciate them so much as a couple. So you should do several things after listening to this episode. The first is you need to check out Sarah's shop. Um, It's called Thimble Joy. It's on Etsy. And she mostly sells t-shirts with positive messages on it, like grateful or cherished. But she every now and again has homemade dresses or bows or bow ties that are so, so sweet. And when you buy from Thimble Joy, you are supporting clothing that is organic, free of slave labor. You're supporting a mom running a small business, and you end up with a great product. So you've got to go check her out. Follow her on Instagram. Once again, ThimbleJoy. The second thing I need you to do is please subscribe to this podcast, rate, and review it. It will help other people find this content, and if you're enjoying it, it would be nice if other people could enjoy it, right? So I hope you guys have a great Father's Day week, and I will see you next time.